Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. I'm your host, Ben Carson. And uh, so glad you were able to join us today. Today, we're going to talk about a brand new program at America Cornerstone called Executive Branch for America, fondly known as EBA. And uh, we have our wonderful guest, David Bratt, with us today. He's a former congressman, uh, an economist. He's the dean of the business school at Liberty University among many other things. So Dave, thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Pleasure to be with you, Dr. Carson. Thank you. And uh, you know, before we jump into executive branch, let's talk a little bit about the legislative branch. As, uh, you know, you had a very successful career at Arthur Anderson and the World Bank and uh, also in academia. And then you decided that you would actually run for elected office and famously defeated Eric Cantor, the uh, minority leader of the House at that time. I mean, that was <laughs> quite an endeavor. Now, uh, what made you decide to run? Uh, the long answer is probably God, but that would take a long time to explain. But I did, I did business, and then I went to Princeton Seminary, and then I worked at the World Bank and got interested in helping the world and poverty, and then did my PhD in economics as a way to go solve that. Mm. I worked in the God box, uh, 30 groups across in the Supreme Court, all the Presby's and Episcopals and Jewish and Quakers and everybody. And uh, back then they were all uh, nice liberals. There was no, the, the Marxist thing was a little light back then. And so they, they all met well, uh, but just didn't have the, uh, the policy stuff. So I wanted to, I, I thought that was my calling. I still do. Well, c coming into Congress as a non-career politician, you know, you served for five years representing the 7th District in uh, Virginia. What were your impressions uh, when you first got to Congress, and were there things that surprised you? Yeah, I, I was shocked. The, uh, the first day I showed up, I came in a few weeks early, and we voted on the budget. And uh, everybody said, whatever you do, don't vote last. Well, I was so mesmerized with all the deals going on around me. I was the last to vote. It was like 212 to 212 or something at the time. 
and uh, I hadn't voted. And so Boehner's young guy came up and said, hey, you, Boehner wants to see you in the back. And I said, uh, I said, well, you tell Boehner I love him and I respect him, but there's no way I'm going in that back room right now because <laughs> <it's> my, <first, laughs> it's my first day on the floor. So my Freedom Caucus buddies were just dying laughing. They thought this was the funniest thing. Uh, but then I saw all sorts of deals, right? They keep the, the entire budget of the United States, the whole process open until they get what they want. They go horse trade. And, uh, right. and then I just saw more and more of that, the uh, the big money. And now, you know, we're 50, 50 trillion in debt in uh, in 10 years, according to CBO. So that that's what I saw. I was expecting to see it, but you learn it in deeper and deeper ways and you see how it's enmeshed Absolutely. in the system, right? Well, it must have been particularly distressing for, for you as an economist. You're a PhD economist. I'm not sure there are any other people with that kind of credential in Congress. But uh, yeah, well, the, the, it was distressing with my PhD hat, but with my Calvinist hat on, it was expected. So there's, there's <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the economists, they love to say that there's a natural cycle to the economy. Yeah. Uh, sort of like a sine wave up and down. Yeah. Uh, is that really true or is it that we have people who know what they're doing and then we have people who don't know what they're doing? Well, both both are true. There is kind of a natural business cycle. Uh, unfortunately, now it, it, the last couple cycles have been caused by the Federal Reserve Bank. Right. John Taylor out at Stanford, he followed Milton Friedman. He's the best guy on monetary policy in the country. And he's shown that, you know, without doubt in the highest journals, they printed too much money in 04 and 05, and that caused the 07, 08 crisis. Now we kept the federal funds rate at zero for a decade. That caused the current crisis right. and the everything bubble we're in. So that is, and the trick there is that's not the real economy, right? The real economy is people going to work every day, making stuff, uh, education, human capital, technology, innovation. That's real. Uh, uh, unfortunately, on the news now, everything's about the financialization of the economy, stocks and bonds and, you know, the, the wealthy getting wealthier. Well, the average American can't figure out what's going on. So uh, the, the, the latest business cycles have been uh, man-made in a way that's not good. Right. Well, uh, you know, Biden's uh, proposed budget of $6.9 trillion. Yeah. I yeah. mean... You know, we're starting to get used to that word, but a trillion? Right. I mean, if you right. tried to count uh, one number per second, it would take you 53,000 years to count. To a <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> it's amazing, right? It's an amazing number. But, you know, uh, he says that, that his budget is going to reduce the deficit. Uh, the C Congressional Budget Office obviously doesn't agree. Yeah. But, but what happens if, if Congress fails to come to an agreement on a debt ceiling? And what, what does it mean for the ordinary American? Well, if I don't think that'll happen. They, uh, no one wants the bad headlines. Uh, but if it did happen, then you'd have a reprioritization of all the spending mm -hmm. in order. You know, so Medicare and Social Security would be saved and they the absolutely essential core government services would come first. And uh, and then there'd just be cuts in, in uh, descending order. Uh, but, you know, more likely they're going to work out some deal at the last minute. That's always the way it works. And it won't be a good deal right now. Right. We'll be 50 trillion 
in debt in 10 years, according to that CBO, and the deficit's $2 trillion a year over the next uh, 10. And even the Republicans are now, you know, the rhetoric is uh, fairly interesting. We just got to get back to the good old days of, you know, 2019, when the deficit was only right. $1.2 trillion. <laughs> And you're just like going, wow, no, no one thinks it's real. You're, you're passing this on to the young people for right. real. And if you just do 5%, the interest payment now on, on $50 trillion, that's $2.5 trillion per year in interest payments, which is three times the defense budget. And so in that, you're just throwing money in the wind, right? The young people are being forced to pay all this. It's, uh, it's a disaster. It basically will become the government's number one financial obligation. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Which is, well, what's, what's the ultimate consequences to us? I mean, there's some, particularly on the left, who say, just print more money. Yeah. Uh, what what is it that they're missing? What what don't they understand about that? Well, that that is the new thing. That's what they said. Print more money, and they had this new modern monetary theory for, on the left. So they tried it, and now uh, the the only thing that's forcing the Fed to finally get it right is they created inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, no one cared about the debt, right. right? If you're paying off the debt at zero percent interest rates, well, whatever. Right. Yeah, let's just keep the party going. But now, I, as I just said, you know, now the Fed funds rate's going up to about five and it may go up a hair more. Uh, but now there's huge consequences. And uh, for the everyday person, the simplest, I hate this will take one minute. Mm-hmm. Right. But modern economic growth, which started at about 1776, had one cause. And it, it wasn't uh, technology. It wasn't having geniuses around. It wasn't trade. We've had all of those through all human history, right? The, the, the new, th- and we've always had markets and we've always had banking. The new thing was as a society, we chose the free market system. So we chose that system and it has given us just an abundance yeah. beyond comprehension. And so what's really at stake? You lose the free market system. You start all of human history was run by pharaohs and despots and dictators, and everybody made $1,000 a year, no matter where you live, 1000 bucks until 1776, roughly speaking. And then we got rich. And so what's at stake? Just that, just the entire trajectory of the Judeo-Christian West is at stake for real. And, uh, you know, COVID obviously wreaked havoc on our economy. And uh, it's going to be blamed probably for the next century for anything that goes wrong. Right, right, right. <laughs> but obviously, obviously, there are other things. What, as an economist, is the impact of all the handouts, all the money that we've been giving to people? Yeah, well, I, I think you're seeing it uh, every day now in the financial news. And uh, for the people that don't follow the financial news, you've got to do that, right? There's some good, go out to FinBiz. It's a nice, you can see the whole market in one picture. And then just read, I tell my students, just read the left-hand side of the Wall Street Journal. It's free. You can read the front page for free That's of true. any of the financial papers. Just If you just read the headlines, you'll get smart over the course of a year. Uh, but, the, but the consequences is, it's like going to war, right? GDP does go up when you go to war. Mm-hmm. You spend a lot more money when you go to war, but it's all misplaced. 
it, it's it's nothing that makes you happier that you're investing in, right? You're blowing up shells and bombs and tanks uh, and killing people. And it's just a total waste of resources that could have gone to help uh, young kids in poverty, in K-12 education to become smarter, become a doctor like you. And uh, so it's just a, what, what's at stake is a total misallocation, just spending on the wrong things. And it's hard to teach that because it's kind of what if analysis, right? right. What if we wouldn't have been making all these terrible mistakes? How sure. could life be better? And it's hard. You got to have that imagination uh, ready well, to go. Well, speaking of war, um, yeah. you know, China's sort of doing some saber rattling and sort of yeah. testing what's going on with us. Do you think China's going to replace us as the world power? And uh, if it does, what does that mean for us? Yeah, um, I, I don't think they're going to. I watch a few people. Uh, one is a demographer named Peter Zeehan. He's been out at Rand and uh, preaching the demographic revolution going on in China. In a, in a decade, uh, it's a disaster. In 20 to 20. 30 years, they probably have a half of their population go from 1.4 billion to seven or 800 million. And, and then they've got their debt is 300% of GDP. Ours is 100% and we're in bad shape. Right. And they have, they have bubbles and they, they have, you know, kind of tried to cheat the free market system. They, they, through government investment, they've created, you know, high rises and bullet trains and all that. And the first few you build, they're productive and uh, they help productivity. Uh, but there's, those are the cheap, easy investments. Then it gets harder to pick the next winner. And so I think we're in trouble the next five to 10 years. Uh, we're we're going to see them probably surpass us in size. Uh, but Xi Jinping just gave his 20th party remarks uh, about a month ago. And they went full on Marxist-Leninism. He rejected Chinese-Buddhist peace and harmony language altogether. They got rid of their market reforms guy, and they went to a war footing language instead of uh, partnering, et cetera. So I think that show they know they're going internal. They know the U.S. is going to end up decoupling, maybe just out of pragmatism. For the first time, our, our CEOs have been remarkably woke yeah. over the past decade or so and uh, out of their own self-interest. right? They, they didn't seem to care much about the country's interests over the last decade. But now, in order for their own profit max over the long term, they're probably going to start looking at India and, 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 right. and some of the other Asian countries, et cetera. Well, for, for our audience that isn't sophisticated in economics, what would be the consequences to us if the dollar is no longer the reserve currency and, and China takes over? Yeah, it, it would be. We've been getting a free ride, right? So the the Federal Reserve System in this country has printed $9 trillion that they hold on, in their bank, in the reserves. And that that's like uh, giving us a sugar high to get us through COVID. And then along, they, they've accommodated the, the government spending, like you just said, the $7 trillion uh, right. just in the past year or so, one budget. And so the effect, if you if you really did lose the uh, the U.S. dollars, the world reserve currency, and there's there's moves in that way. We're going to lose the petrodollar, but I've looked it up, and it, it, that's not a significant chunk. So if you lost it, it would be devastating. We we wouldn't 
And, and it's very interesting. As a conservative, I'm torn a little bit because we set up the post-World War II order, right? This Bretton Woods liberal order. Right. And now it's got too expensive. So we're coming back. Well, that's kind of why we got to have the global reserve currency, because we made that, that deal. We will right. be the peacekeeper and we'll try to have a rules based order. And uh, I like that as long as everyone shares in. But the, the rest of the world quit sharing. And so now we're in tougher space. And so I, I don't think we're going to lose the uh, currency because if you just look where are you are going to invest? Right? right. So the U.S. is down. But everyone else is worse by far. W- would you risk your money in savings accounts in China for five or 10 <laughs> years? I, I wouldn't. Would you put your money in Saudi? Uh, India, maybe, right? Maybe they're, they seem to be fairly stable. But some of those BRIC countries, I'm like, Russia, no, 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 no. So we're, we're weakening, and it's true. We're becoming weaker, but it's relative to folks who don't know how to run a shop at all. And, and we do have an advantage in the sense that China's economy is largely dependent on ours. Yes. So yeah. it's, it's, yeah. not, it's not to their advantage for us to crash. Right. At, yes, least, that's right. at least not yet. Right, right. That's right. Right. <laughs> right. They're, yeah, they're, if, if they yeah. get to too powerful a position and they have what they need, I don't think they'll care two, two bits what happens yeah. to us. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think Bush, I think one of the Bushes talked with one of the heads of China, I can't remember, 10 or 20 years ago. They said, what's your worst fear? And the Chinese leader said, feeding 1.4 billion people. Right. Because <laughs> so it, it's, uh, it's not only about human welfare, which you would hope it would be. It's about their own preservation. And they know if they don't feed the people, they're in trouble. Well, we're going to have to take a short break and we'll be right back with our fascinating guest, Dr. Dave Brett. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery Starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back with common sense. You know, as I've said many times, common sense is no longer common, particularly in Washington, D.C. But, uh, you know, we've got to do everything we can as individuals, all of whom have spheres of influence, to bring common sense back and just to start talking about things that make sense once again. Now, one thing I want to ask you, Dave, um, is about the state of education. Yeah. In, in the U.S. today. 
You know, we get kids who can't read, they can't do basic math. There was a survey about three or four weeks that came out that they looked at 23 public schools in Baltimore to see uh, how many kids were achieving at grade level in math. Thousands of kids looked at zero, not a single one. I mean, this is really a serious problem. And uh, the state of education seems dismal. What do you think, as an educator and as an administrator, can be done, if anything? Or is it just a, a downward cycle? Because there was a time when we had a fantastic educational system when Alexis de Tocqueville came here. You know, he was blown away. Average yeah. people, a mountain man he could find. The guy could read. The guy could tell about the, 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 the Declaration of Independence. What the heck has happened to us? Yeah, well, that's a deep, deep uh, story uh, for folks who want to get inspired. And uh, I always recommend The Closing of the American Mind by Alan Bloom. It's one of my favorite. It, it's an indictment of the uh, higher ed education system in particular, but it signals uh, what we've lost. Uh, for Bloom, he's a Platonist, and so I, I differ with, her, uh, with him on, on, on some of the points. Uh, but for me, and it, 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 it's become a slogan. It's not good. You know, we kick God out of the schools and, you know, in the 60s, 70s, et cetera, over diversity. And, and we forget that God is the author and creator of that diversity. And so when you talk about your common sense, right, when you right. kick God out of the schools, it's way more than God. Right. God's not some ephemeral thing. He's a person. And, uh, you know, just even even the secular humanist literature, God is always kind of the, the truth the true, the beautiful, and the good. And if you look at K-12 systems uh, and what's gone wrong, or if you look at a Marxist system, the Marxist is, is the antithesis of the Judeo-Christian West. And so they, of course, don't believe in God, but it's more than that. They, they've also gotten rid of the truth. And this is at a deep philosophical level, right? They, they don't even pursue truth. Right. They think it's part of the superstructure created. To them, by it's, all, to them it's all about indoctrination. Right. Because, right. you yep. know, uh, Lenin said, give me your children to teach for four years and the seed that I sow will never be uprooted. Yep. It's all yep. about indoctrination. Yep. That's it. It's, and so if you get, rid, you get rid of the truth and the beautiful, think about that for a minute, right? The, our modern art, the beauty, uh, uh, around us, uh, growing up, the beauty of the soul, uh, all that whole dimension of what is beautiful, and then of course the good uh, ethics, right? And, and I don't even like the modern business ethics; it's pretty narrow. Uh, mm -hmm. But the life of the mind and reason—we've we, we've lost reason with a big R. And now it's all just narrow rationality, and everybody specializes. Right. And we've lost that entire world, which is inspiring. And if you don't inspire the kids, and, and the first, why am I going to sit there and do my times tables and you know learn how to write and all? What you you, you got to be excited. And if you take God for me is the ultimate excitement, right? Mm -hmm. That the first principles. That's why you get up in the morning. That's what gives you your purpose on the earth. And if you don't have that, then educate. You know, and you say, so what can we do about it? Well, I, I would recommend you get out the Bible and get your family getting back uh, into the Word. Amen. And see if that uh, if it makes your family a little more vibrant, your kids a little more vibrant. I think it will. I think it will. Yeah. Well, you know, before 1963, almost all public schools had the Ten Commandments hanging up on yep. the wall. Yep. 
and then it had to go. But uh, when I asked people on the left, exactly what is wrong with thou shalt not kill, <laughs> and thou shalt not steal, and thou shalt not commit adultery, and thou shalt not envy, and all these things, and honor your parents. And they never have a good answer for that. Mm. Because there's yep. absolutely nothing wrong with it. Yep. And, and as we've divorced ourselves from our values, has our trajectory as a nation been upward or downward? I think yep. it's pretty obvious that it's been downward. Yep. And, you know, we have a lot to be proud of in this country. Uh, you know, there are those who try to demonize us and say this is a horrible place based on slavery and all this garbage. Uh, the fact of the matter is, this was a ragtag bunch of militiamen who rose to the pinnacle of the world in record time. That was yep. not an accident. It yep. was because of the values that we manifested and the things yep. that we taught our children. It was the can-do attitude, not the what-can-you-do-for-me attitude. And do you think it's too late to get it back? No, I don't think so. There, there's still a reservoir. Boy, if you read the Wall Street Journal, though, a day ago, two days ago, they, they reported on this. That was right? <laughs> Yes, man. The the, uh, the status of religiosity is down in the 30s and patriotism is in the 30s overall. Part of that, in our depths, the, the interesting thing about the left and even the Marxist folks is their their ultimate morality is the Judeo-Christian morality. When they go to judge, right, when when Marx is judging the rich versus the poor, he sounds like an Old Testament prophet in some sense. Right. But then they convinced us to go in this scientific socialism where they the only thing that matters. And the only thing you have knowledge of is those sense perceptions, you know, going back to David Hume and whatever. And then the logical positivists and Bertrand Russell and all these guys. They tried to get rid of God intellectually. They ended up getting rid of science formally in philosophy. Because you've never seen a science. If you've seen one, let me know what it looks like. I don't know what it looks like. Right. So that's why I said we got to get back to our, the big capital, our reason. The, the Jewish rabbinic tradition, which goes back thousands of years, uh, would laugh at this modern narrow rationality, right? They, they've had a reasoned discourse with the word of God that precedes Plato and Socrates, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think Christians got to get their confidence back in having that conversation. You get to replace my argument when you have a better one. You right. don't get to tell me I have to get rid of my argument. My argument holds until you replace it with something better. And that's true science, right? You got to have a better mousetrap. Well, not, you know, none of that was uh, thought about during the whole COVID uh, argument. Yeah. You know, when they kept saying, let's follow the science. Right, right. But uh, what science are they following? Yeah. Because, you know, just you take something like natural immunity. Now, the scientific community has known about natural immunity uh, since the Civil War and smallpox. And uh, now all of a sudden, natural immunity? What's that? No, no. Until only recently have <laughs> they acknowledged yep. that it's at least as good as the induced immunity, yep. probably better. Much yep. more effective. Uh, that is total disregard of science. Yeah. Uh, you take something like the second law of thermodynamics, entropy. Things move toward a state of disorganization. And yet you want to say there was just this spontaneous big bang and everything came into perfect order. Right. To the right, extent right. that we can predict 70 years hence when a comet is coming. Yep. Give me a break, you know. <laughs> 
I, I don't know how they say that this is science. Yeah. And then how do you how do you get something as sophisticated as the human brain through natural selection? Because there's so many parts of it that interconnect that have no function if the other parts aren't there. Yep. So uh, according to natural selection, those things would not continue to exist. They would disappear. So, you know, they're obviously not following their own science. And when I've confronted uh, some even even PhD, even Nobel Prize winning scientists, yep. they just say, well, we don't understand everything. <laughs> and I say, I don't think you understand anything. <laughs> Well, we're going to be right back with our fascinating guest, Dr. David Brett. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back with Common Sense with uh, Dr. David Bratt. You know, there's uh, the new program, Executive Branch uh, for America. I know some of the students at uh, Liberty have engaged in it, completely free of charge, and uh, really helps people to understand uh, the executive branch, uh, the rulemaking, the staffing, the laws, the interactions. Because a lot of times when people... Uh, particularly go in and staff positions, they're like deer caught in the headlights. They have no idea uh, what's going on. And it takes months or even a year uh, to get acclimated to what's going on. Sometimes by the time you get acclimated, you know, now you're starting to be ushered out. <laughs> so uh, we came up with this mechanism uh, to present to people. Uh, what do you think of it and what have you heard? Well, I, I applaud the, the foresight and the imagination you showed in conceiving the entire project, which is the most important thing, is why choose the executive branch to study? If you're going to spend your time and resources doing something, why would you choose that? Probably because it's one of the most needed things on the planet right now. If you look at why we're at war right now, mm-hmm. uh, without a war declaration, it's because the executive has the power, they say, to do that. If you look at the Federal Reserve government printing the money at going beyond their mandates, the FDIC saying we're going to bail out all depositors in the world, which is not in the law. Right. That's the executive branch 
just taking powers that haven't been given to them. And I could go on and on and on with the powers that the Congress has just voluntarily given the executive because we didn't want to vote on it. We were chicken. Right. And so my, first off, it's it's hugely important for the young people to get their heads around that project and what it means studying the executive. And then secondly, the implementation of it. My kids are way more computer savvy than me. I, I, I my students at Liberty University. Right. And so we uh, I said, hey, uh, you guys uh, take a peek at this thing and uh, let me know when you get done with the certificate and et cetera. And just bam, 10 of them are done in no time. 30 of them are done in a little. And they just said it was great. Uh, we learned a lot. We went through it. It was easy to do. And uh, so hats off on the implementation part, too, because everybody knows it's a pain to save 12 passwords and log right. into 40 different things. And uh, this thing was seamless. And oh, so it's an important, uh, important thing to study. And it's easy to study. And then you can, on a self-interest, I'm an economist. And so you can put it on your resume. That's a big deal. You get a certificate from CPI and Ben Carson, and you put that brand name, and that that means something because it sends a signal as to who you're hanging out with. And if you're hanging out with Dr. Ben Carson, uh, you're in some good space. Unless you're very liberal. (laughs) (laughs) Even then, you know, I, I do talk and deal with a lot of liberal people. And in a sense, I feel sorry for a lot of people who were traditional Democrats yeah. because the Democratic Party has changed so much. Yeah. You know, I, I was a Democrat for a long time, but you don't even recognize the party anymore. No. And it, it kind of leaves a lot of people in limbo because, you know, they love America and they're patriots, and they care about the environment, and they care about other people, but they're sort of like being dragged to this far extent. And, you know, and the same thing happens on the right side. You get people who sort of try to drag everyone way over here with all these litmus tests and stuff. (laughs) And uh, whatever happened to just, you know, love your neighbor? and have conversations with them and talk and reason together, come let us reason together. You know, I think you can take the most radical left wing and the most radical right wing person in America, and they're going to agree on 90% of stuff. But, you know, we allow the purveyors of division and hatred to take that 10% and just magnify it and make you think that it's the most important thing that ever happened in the history of the world. And as a result of that, you know, you got people who live next to you for the last 20 years who were good neighbors. All of a sudden you hate them because they got a different yard sign. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and it's, it's really, I think, a matter of us allowing ourselves to be uh, manipulated. But, you know, one of the things that's so important if we're going to write the ship, I think, is making sure that Congressional staffers, White House staffers, judiciary staffers understand how the system works and how they can be a part of it in an effective way. And uh, particularly when you look at executive branch, there's four million employees. Wow. When a new president comes in, they get to change about 3,000 of them. <laughs> so yeah. that's, not, that's not very many. 
And, uh, you know, and that's why it's so important that people start thinking about maybe becoming career employees. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're a staffer, when you finish, you know, your political uh, job, maybe go on with the knowledge that you have to apply for a career position. Ultimately, the only way you really solve that problem, I think, is you move a lot of federal agencies out of Washington, D.C. Yep. Because, you know, the people who are careers are people who live in that area who tend to have the politics of that area. So if you've got everybody on one side of the boat, eventually it's going to tip over and go down. Yep. And you need to have people on both sides of the boat so that you can have a fair discussion because, uh, as you know very well from your time in, in Washington, it's it's the staffers and those people who actually push legislation and various things through, and they also have the ability to slow things down and clog up the system. So you really need to have some balance there if you're going to be effective, I think. What do you think are, are some of the big barriers right now from keeping conservatives from entering the political arena? Yeah, well, I think it's what you just got done saying. It, it, it's like I, I used to sit with 100 liberals every day at lunch. I taught college. <laughs> it was me versus 100. And we got along every day. We had fun. And they were kind of just old mainline liberals. Right. And there wasn't an issue. But the, uh, the, the, the clogging piece right now, the real problem is, of course, money and power. That's the new, right? So the centralization of power in the executive branch, but also the money behind that, right? It's very efficient for a billionaire to just hire a lobbyist for a million bucks because if you get one line put in that budget, you're you're a permanent monopoly multimillionaire for life. So it's very uh, efficient to do that. And then that it's the it's the clash of money and power that uh, makes us mad at each other. Right. And so I I think you're exactly right. We got to move some of this out of the swamp, out of D.C., decentralized stuff back to the states. And this project of uh, and then, you know, the the pressure on conservatives just comes from that because the the left has an automatic uh, super advantage. All all they need to do is say, I want to give you more. Yes. And then you're a conservative and you're like, no, you got to eat your spinach. Well, which do you think is going to win at the ballot box? Right. I'm going to give you more sugar or no, you got to lift weights and eat your spinach. And uh, that that's a tough that's a tough sell right now. Even with 50 trillion in debt, the conservatives you watch, they will not make that pitch coming up when they know they should. And the country, I think, might even reward them. But it's it's very hard. So we need young people. Uh, to take over uh, on your own behalf, or out of your own self-interest, get involved and take part in your government. Absolutely. I, I just want to get your your brief thoughts on ESG and its impact. Yeah, well, it, it sounds benign, right? Uh, you know, you're, you have an interesting environment and social good deeds and good governance, corporate governance. Uh, but it's interesting that the major firms engaged in this uh, are have half their portfolios in China who don't care much about the environment or social good deeds or good corporate governance. So there's your hint. You know, it has something to do with money and power again, right. not with all those nice sounding acronyms. Well, I've actually been sort of glad to see some of the CEOs and companies 
actually starting to stand up and, and push back against yep. it. Yep. And, and it's not that I don't believe in corporate and social responsibility. Right. Uh, but, you know, that's something that should be determined by your board of directors yep. and, and your company, not yep. by outside forces who are putting pressure on you to conform right. to whatever right. the issue is that they see as important at that time. Yep. So yep. Exactly. We're, we're going to keep pushing that, uh, that thought uh, right. through the organization. And we'll be right back with Dr. David Bratt for some closing remarks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. with Common Sense, Dr. David Bratt. You know, uh, David, you have a, a Master's of Divinity from Princeton Theological Seminary. How do you think our Judeo-Christian heritage impacts our system of government today? And uh, is our society being hurt by the fact that we're losing contact with that part of our history? Yeah, I, I, if I had to trace it all to one thing, that's what I would emphasize. And I've spent my whole life engaged in that mission. I'm at Liberty University for a reason, because that Judeo-Christian heritage, of course, gave us Adam Smith, the founder of economics. Mm -hmm. James Madison went to Princeton Seminary, where I went, roughly speaking, wrote the Constitution uh, and trained under Witherspoon, you know, the Presbyterian president of the school right. and stuck around and took Hebrew. Well, why does that matter? Because uh, if you read Genesis 3, you run into this thing called the fall, uh, the fall of hum hum humankind into sin. Mm -hmm. And that is what separates conservatives from liberals. The, the basic understanding of human nature is at the core. And Reinhold Niebuhr, of course, later in the tradition, was very eloquent on that. Uh, but yeah, it's the core. And it, it, just to put it simply, my grandparents, your folks, your grandparents, all had it so deep in them that they would sacrifice their entire lives. They would give up their happiness in order for their kid, right? That, that's kind of related to the Protestant work ethic, uh, the long-term horizon of building the kingdom of God. That's their project. They were building something way greater than themselves. They believed it. 
And if you believe in that source of power, uh, it, it's a humbling source of power. And uh, so, yeah, I, I believe in uh, the Judeo-Christian West. I'm a Christian personally. Uh, these days, you got there's all sorts of issues with preachers and drama and whatever. Just read the Bible. It's all sitting right there. Jesus was as clear and can, as can be. And I, I, I've run into a, a couple uh, Christian therapists who've got a podcast called A Place to Be, and they uh, they got me reading the book, book. They said there's three types of people. There's the everyday sinner, and then there's the wicked, and then there's the evil. He said, read your red letter edition of Matthew, and whenever Jesus encounters somebody, he knew exactly what he was doing. And he had the exact response to the everyday sinner. He didn't, you know, he loved them. And then the wicked, he had a different. And then the evil man, he <laughs> he knew what was going on. So it's not this soft, gushy, sugary stuff like Jesus and God, the Father Almighty is my buddy. Uh, no, I think we need to get serious again. Read the book and you'll see what's in the book. And Absolutely. Uh, that, that's the best test. And it is a wonderful guide for one's life. Yep. It's the most... Uh, widespread book in the history of the world, even though there have yep. been many attempts to suppress it and to get rid of it. Yep. Uh, that should tell people something right yep. there. Exactly. Right. And, and particularly, you know, just in terms of how to live your life, you go someplace like the book of Proverbs, uh, so much good stuff there. Yeah. It made a real difference for me because I started reading Proverbs as a teenager. And it was one of the things that made me realize that I was being a teenager, <laughs> that I wasn't listening right, to right, right, and I was right. acting like a fool. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it changed my behavior in a very yep. big way. So uh, God is there to guide us. But I just want to give you a, an opportunity for any uh, parting thoughts that you might wish to uh, give to our audience. Yeah, that, that podcast is called A Place We Find Ourselves. I think I said it wrong, but uh, it's obvious you've you read the Proverbs. I think Proverbs 1 is fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Everybody sees that and you're facing it and hears it in your words. And so uh, I just want to thank you uh, for giving me this opportunity to be with a wise man who fears God and has lived uh, an exemplary life uh, morally, intellectually, spiritually across the board. Well, and, uh, honored to be with you. Thank you. And thank you for what you're doing for the, the kids at, at Liberty yep, and across the nation. I, it will bear tremendous fruit. God bless. We're going to take a short break and I'm going to give you my prescription for this week. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. 
After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Thank you for joining us today. We had a fascinating conversation with uh, Dr. Dave Bratt. And uh, you can learn more about him at Bratt Economics at Getter. I hope you also will take time to go to EBA, that's Executive Branch for America, at AmericanCornerstone.org. Find out more about Executive Branch for America Get involved, take the course, get the certificate, learn about the inner workings of our government. And, uh, you know, let me know what you think about it. Uh, I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say. And also, you become a much better conversationalist uh, when you get involved with your neighbors and your friends, because you'll actually know what you're talking about. A lot of other people are just spouting opinions. And uh, that doesn't get you very far these days. So thank you for being with us. Check it out. And uh, that's it for this week. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. Rate us, review us, tell your friends and neighbors, because only through you that we will be able to make common sense common once again and uh, you want to contact me it's been at americancornerstone.org and until next week remember the cornerstones faith liberty community and life see you next week why why if you why? have t-mobile 5g home internet you might be hearing this why a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 